On this edition of Commander's Log, we're still on high hiatus with Star Trek Discovery. That's why we're going back to the season premiere of season two. The episode is called Brother, and Joshua Postel is in the building. He promised me he's going to show me his thong, but that's going to happen after the jump. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand, and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, they said it could be done. They said we couldn't fill a hiatus and we're making it happen. Hello, everyone. It's your boy, the number one on the USS Post Show, Hello, Boys, being joined by the Captain John Weber. Hey, what's up? All oh, my fellow discoveries. Hey, Disco. Hey, Disco. Let's yeah. uh, Disco. Uh, I'm more of a, you know, Frankie Valley guy. Uh, and being joined by Joshua Postel. How's it going, sir? What's up? What's up, guys? Yo, where can I what's get up? tickets to your next show, Josh? What's up? What's the deal? Um, Doing, still finishing out some road stuff down in Miami. Nice. Okay. Okay. We're at. Then uh, Villain Theater, Red Bar, um, Improv. See nice. this man live, y'all. See this they man live. Love him in Miami, folks. They love him down there. Barely. Sometimes I do stuff and they uh, <laughs> they uh, they they cringe because you remember this is even though it's like South Florida, it's still Florida. I used to live in Florida. I get it. I used to live in North Florida. I get that too. So oh. <laughs> for four years, yeah, it was uh, I mean, St. Augustine, Old City. Some people here, you're just like. Sounds to me you're living in fear. Welcome back to Commander's Log. This is episode one of season two. This one's called Brother because we get some Spock action in there. Captain. You know, we're trying to pick out the, the episodes to talk about in the hiatus. Just yeah. what does brother look like on a second viewing video? Uh, you know, that is that is a really fascinating angle to it because I remember at the time that I first saw it, I was still in that hangover of does she have to be Spock's brother? Mm. Does does Michael Burnham like what a shoehorn? to put Michael Burnham into Spock's child history it's it was strange it was weird and we went a whole uh, uh entire first season there of discovery not really addressing it other than ah she's Vulcan e she's Vulcanish <laughs> Vulcanesque right. and, and and she delivers you know me I love Burnham she delivers um, but what was the deal with that? And what is the deal? What's the deal with the sister? She's <laughs> a foster, but her name is Burnham. <laughs> um, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I love all the accoutrement they put around it. And, yeah. and that's why it's so exciting for me. So um, I'll just, I'll just talk about the things that happened at the very end, the very end of season one where we see the enterprise where the camera like goes 
out of the bridge of the discovery flies into space and you see oh. the arrival of the enterprise oh, i was just having my biggest nerdgasm just watching that <laughs> And the uh, sir, um, we're being hailed by Captain Pike. Pike, I, saw, I was like, "Hello, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who's joining us?" Some Captain Pike. Who's joining us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch? Thank you so much. This is Commander's Log. Just got some confirmation. Some chewing platforms, kind of late on Streamyard's end. <laughs> Thank ah. you so much. Uh, awkward. Uh, <laughs> presented by ah. Geek Renaissance, man. Uh, Josh, man, same thing. I mean, Captain Pike is a fan favorite for longtime friends of the franchise. Oh, this is my time. Why wouldn't this- be? Well, this is my time, first time ever seeing Pike. Uh, the first time I saw this episode, I was like, who the hell is Pike? Why does everyone care about him? Uh, what was it like to you seeing the arrival of the Enterprise? That was just. That was total nerd porn orgasm. <laughs> Although the and then people were like, but the struts are wrong. I was like, I'm gonna beat you with a <laughs> it's like, like people literally flipped. They're like, that's not the enterprise. I was like, oh my God. So let's talk about this. Cause this is a this is a thing I've come across. I was on another show, Star Trek show, and I watched Star Trek the motion picture and Star Trek 2, they're at the cover the first time ever. Yes, I'm that guy. Anyway, um, there is that balance between fan bases, Josh, where like people are like, oh man, he's gonna be the same way it was back then versus hey, look, that show was like 60 years or 50 years ago. How are you gonna make that right? Where would you stand and why do people care that much about the way buttons are laid out or how the bridge design is on stuff? Because fan bases are obsessive to the point where it's wouldn't I mean, wouldn't you say (laughs) I mean that's a that's a great principle. Let me finish. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, because uh, because fan bases average out to like the lowest level of intelligence. That's true. Yeah. Why is that's that? True. It's a lot like a comedy club audience sometimes. Ah! <laughs> You no, he's right. Know. He's right. Uh, yeah. I, like, it's, yeah. For those of you who don't do comedy, and Josh is like, you know, professional comedian here. I'm a hack. Uh, sometimes you got to set up jokes multiple times in certain regions because some people just don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I had a Netflix joke at one time, and no one didn't have Netflix. When Netflix was still on DVDs, and people were like, "Huh?" It's like it's a thing God, you stream. Forget God it. forbid you have a fraternity or a sorority or like, um, you know, a ladies who lunch group or like a bachelorette party in the audience because, yeah. They bring everything down to their level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, you you got to play to the whole audience as if they're as drunk as those tables, as ignorant <laughs> as those tables. Yeah. Yeah. Or make them look bad. Uh, so Sexy Pike goes aboard and he's like, I'm taking over the ship, y'all. And Saru is like, gangly gang, man. How dare you? Here's the reason why you can't. And he's like, no, man. I don't care because three contingencies for those who have seen the episode, uh, imminent threat detected, uh, lives of Federation citizens are in danger, and no one equal higher rank around to mitigate. Mm. Dang. Now, John, in season three, Saru becomes captain, but you right. can tell his heart's broken here, man. I'm, yeah. I, and then he I'm watching wanted then, it. He already yeah. wanted it. He wanted it. I was supposed, I felt like I was supposed to hate Pike. Was that like something you guys felt that when this happened? Were you supposed to hate him like Kirk did in the first movie? Isn't that interesting? I think they were trying to uh I think they were trying to show you that he's gonna do the work to prove that he's a good guy. Uh, which is funny because they sort of accidentally put his entire record up on the big screen. 
Sure they did. <laughs> you got docs in space, bro. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, yeah. it's a PDF. I don't know how to close it. It, it, but I mean, it, it works. Everything yeah. that they did to serve that works. And Anson Mount, the actor who plays uh, Christopher Pike, is hey, Kirsten. Uh, he is so good. Uh, he, the so the good. big so the good. big job he had right before this one was playing uh, Black Bolt on the TV series The Inhumans. Uh, which is terrible Why? because he doesn't speak. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good actor, but in that role, uh, he's mute or has to be mute. Uh, but what I will say is they really found a nice way of playing up the superhero aspect of this yep. strapping young man who is your captain on your five-year mission. Josh, there's a lot of uh, representations, interpretations of Pike. Uh, the first Pike I've ever saw was Bruce Greenwood in the Star Trek J.J. Abrams movies. This guy is way different. But he's kind of loose, kind of like cocksure, kind of like cool with the guns. But I thought that was something that would be ascribed to Kirk. No? <laughs> I think more captains are probably like that. Especially at that point. You know, the, 20, the uh, 23rd century was still bold, brash. It wasn't, you know, the relatively civilized 24th, let alone sort of disconnected, aloof. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Hot takes. Hot takes. The, the, the man shut him down. That's... <laughs> oh, man. Well, I mean, if you got to freeze on Josh, that's a good That's a good shot to freeze on. Oh, yeah. He absolutely. Well, he's back, baby. What up, yeah. man? You were doing Welcome great, back. by the way. Wait, Josh. He was. He was. That's Wi-Fi's fault. That's not yeah. He's having, he's having a day, baby. Someone, <laughs> don't make me have to come out there and uh, discipline the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Sounds kinky. Uh, yeah. I, I, so, so my my first impressions of, of this whole idea, right? I, look, the way season one ended, Enterprise looked majestic. I was on board, and I liked the fact that Pike was so much more like secure in the captain's seat. And the way he was like, you know, being super open with a bridge crew felt like fan service for us, the Discovery fans. We were like, ah, Detmer was cool, but who is Detmer? Who was Reese? Who was Bryce? And that was kind of a dope scene for me. Did you guys have a similar vibe for that? Or was it kind of like, I don't care about these guys. Get back to the ship. What was that? It was more like you're watching this and you're going, yeah, just just give me more pike. <laughs> wow. Really? Yeah, I was like, because he just exuded cool. Yeah, yeah. he did kind of. He yeah, just he exuded, you know, and he. But that's the thing with a guy like that; he's just gonna suck up all the air in the room. Mm -hmm. And oh, he's yeah? not gonna be uh, okay. It's almost I like disagree. He's so larger than life. I disagree. Well, actually, maybe I do agree. Uh, here's, the <laughs> here's the thing. Here, I'm really wrong or right. What I love, a moment that was the most Christopher Pike moment, and it's new. It's not like based on anything we've seen before, um, where he doesn't know the bridge crew. Well, I mean, yeah, he's he's... right. He doesn't yeah. know them. Uh, just took over. Uh, and uh, let me jump back too, because in the uh, previously, or actually last se last season on Discovery, <laughs> uh, during that, they make a big deal um, about that moment where um the admiral is saying 
um, you know, we have to do the wrong thing. We, we, we can't risk everything just to save people and just to, to do, you know, the right thing. And Burnham's like, uh, we will mutiny if we have to, to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And, and all the, the whole bridge crew stands up. Everybody right. stands. And Saru stands up and says, we are Starfleet. Yeah. And, oh, that's, that was, that's, that was beautiful. And that's where you go. This is a bridge crew. Finally, this is right. a bridge crew. Yeah, they coordinate, and we have moments where that comes back in this episode too, which is so exciting and 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 just you know gets me right here, man. So, I love that. I love the fact that um, the the most Christopher Pike moment is he goes, "Okay, roll call," and everybody's like, "What? Huh?" Yeah. He's like, "I I need to know your names. Uh, right. Don't tell me your rank. It doesn't matter." Right. And that's a leader right there. Yeah. Cause because when the shit hits the fan, doesn't matter what your rank is, you're all in the shit together. I, I need to hear ideas, people. I'm not gonna judge whether it comes from an ensign or whether it comes from a lieutenant commander. And that's a leader. That's a captain right there. That's and it's a personal exactly. style. And the I other thing that. you like about him is he's trying, he knows what happened with Lorca. Yes. He's trying to earn their trust. Right. Right. He doesn't The other guy turned out to be a, well... He's the best captain ever. Mr. Mirror Universe. Uh, (laughs) I hated Pike when I first saw him. That's the point I'm getting on to. Really? I hated him because he was a lurker. (laughs) No. um, (laughs) I I didn't like Pike for this reason. There... When you see the... the, The Discovery... the, The Enterprise is disabled. So the reason why he's on the bridge is fine. So I'm not saying I hate it because the storyline's dumb. It's a good. It makes it makes sense. Him as a character, and and even though I love and John knows how much I love Commander Nan, she's she's my homegirl. Mm-hmm. Um, the first season for Discovery was like uh, entrance for me into into Star Trek, and I felt like it was for me. But from 20 minutes in to season two, it felt like they were trying to reach this other master. Of saying, hey, Laps fans, we're part of the crew too. And when Pike showed up, I go, wait, that was a guy from that movie that J.J. Abrams came out at the time. And I go back and research and figure out things all over again. So as much as I like Pike, it was like the harbinger to, yeah, what you thought was accessible and for you, it's not for you anymore. So it took me a long time to come around to him. That's why I like to ask long-term fans, how do you guys feel about this character who was basically like mutilated in, in older versions, coming back and being like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, e- even the story behind why they had to switch actors and make him mutilated, which is because Jeffrey Hunter uh, died. Jeffrey Hunter was killed, I believe, in an accident. And so the longtime fans, so me and Josh are, are repping those folks, um, we know that Pike is part of the 23rd century. We know he's part of Enterprise history. Um, he's part of Spock history. He's a very important figure. But we don't know a whole lot about him outside of the cage or menagerie. Menagerie. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I know this. The- nice. <laughs> I'm smart now, y'all. Get up me. Captain America over there. I get that reference. I get that reference. <laughs> What up, say sleep? <laughs> hey, and and so um, you know there there is a lot of um, there's a lot of tragedy associated with Pike. Yeah, and yeah. and I I think longtime fans carry that burden. 
like oh you know how and and later on i'm i'm not gonna give everything away but later on we do find out that he sees the future at one point he sees how he's gonna end up and he still accepts it and still goes forward ah they're dreams they're not real (laughs) what's his problem uh, he's answering. What does he have to worry about? Get over your wuss. Uh, <laughs> so, so I guess we got we're all in agreement here. We're 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 pro Strange New Worlds. Then we're like, yeah, more than yeah. oh, big oh. time. Oh, big time. This thing hasn't even dropped, and I'm already drooling. Yeah, yeah I, I may. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> just the sense of humor and the the humanness that Pike displays. Uh, it, it, he's just such a great character. Uh, my favorite line of the episode is when he was giving out orders and was like, Detmer, fly good. <laughs> I was like, fine. I was, I was, Damn, that's sexy. You're smooth. You won me over. <laughs> yeah, and he does it with the whole like finger gun, like, boom, you, boom, and Detmer, fly good. And Detmer's like. <laughs> it, was, it was, in a way, you wonder if it was almost foreshadowing Kirk's dumber moments somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think I think it was like Detmer being like Shatner being just Shatner, and you're just going, "Oh dear God, no!" no, That makes me wonder, though. I mean, look what Anson Mount is doing with the swagger. There is swagger, but not too much. And with Shatner, there was always too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I want a Uh. captain's woman. What? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this this idea of why the Enterprise is disabled. Uh, you know, there's some there's some signals actions out there, and plus we were just talking about this episode that came out three years ago. We can spoil to the cows come home. Josh, looking back on season two, the whole Red Angel thing, the 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 energy signatures, fan didn't like it, loved it. What'd you say about it? It was good, but you just wonder if they could have done more with it somehow. Okay, there were these <laughs> moments when you're like. <laughs> Where is this leading? You know, there. It was like it felt like breadcrumbs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you're just wondering, okay, what's the connection? That it was very disjoint. It got better as the season went on. You know, you start seeing more of Section Thirty One, Leland Control, right? Uh, you see all that other stuff, but at, at the beginning, it just was completely random. I will say the Terralisium episode was good. Right. Yeah. Very powerful, very moving. Yeah. Very, yeah. very well written. Yeah. That scene at the end where like the one guy in the in the village kind of figures out before he meets Pike in uniform. And then when he meets him, he's just like, All right, Earth still exists, doesn't it? Yeah. You have a ship. You fly among the stars. Right. And this is the episode the that comes right the after this one, right? Like, we can't intervene so. in the development of your world. Yeah. Right. Uh, what's uh, General Order 1 in this series, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's one. also very Discovery, isn't it? Uh, Discovery likes to do these season-long story arcs. They like to uh, drop your breadcrumbs, as Josh points out. Right. Lead you down the road through the mystery. Um, they don't rush. Um, it's very, very discovery. And I kind of hope that they won't do 
Picard season two like that. They won't do Brave New Worlds like that because Discovery already kind of has this long format kind of deal. And it's not, you know, we're TV watchers. We like our instant gratification where we can get it. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird that where you have it's kind of like you want you you want your you want your you want your junk food now. Yeah, <laughs> but because well, if, if CBS is going to drop weekly episodes and then you have a season long arc, that's kind of like the worst. It's like I understand it's a curry up like discussion, but the brand of Star Trek is big enough that you don't have to do that. You can give me you can give me cake and fries or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but back to reiterate my point before, season two pissed me off because every episode was a homework assignment. Like every ah. episode was like, why why do we care about Talos 4? Who the hell are this? Like, who's that? Like that was total fan servicing. But that's that what I'm saying. But for me, it was like, wait, wait, you're, you're leaving me behind. I have no idea with all this stuff. It came at me fast. It was like cling on, cling on, cling on. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's gonna be time jumping in the future, and there's Spock and there's Sarah, and there's a girl named Amanda. Oh, a woman named Amanda. That's actually her mom. It, it to me it was like, whoa, this is not for me anymore. Am I gonna jump off? And I was relieved at the end of the season when it decided we're jump ahead in time. I was like, finally. Yeah. Now yeah. I, can, I can be back to where the hell I was going on. But season two was like, here's the bridge of the Enterprise. <sighs> I, I wonder. I yeah, I no, no, no. I think you were, I think you're really on something because I remember seeing uh, when they started season three, I remember seeing Sonequa Martin Green being interviewed and she's like, finally, we're out of the canon. Finally, we don't have to be in the past anymore. And I think everybody on the show felt boxed in by uh this is 10 years before the original star trek series so we can't break anything that shows up in tos and we have to stay in the box and you know science fiction yeah. doesn't function like that right yeah so right, I, I think you're right i think you're right Flobo. i'll take it i'm ever right though <laughs> Let's let's talk about the mission here. Uh, there's uh, some energy signals. There's there's the distress signal that kind of makes up with that. But what was cool before that though? Because it was the thrill ride of the pods and Connolly basically mansplaining himself to oblivion. <laughs> that was so awesome. <laughs> He's like, take that, and he wasn't even a red shirt. Josh, uh, you don't really see these pods too often in the series, but what do you think about this? Having this mission on hand, having this like asteroid battle sequence that's straight out of an Atari. What thoughts about that? That was great, except for the fact that, like, watching it was giving me massive vertigo. Okay. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah, it was... Every time they do that, I'm like, oh, no, I can't watch, can't watch, can't watch, (laughs) and watch them like this. What space? Actually, when I had migraines, I was that way. I was always doing one of the things where it's like... (laughs) Like, like doing one eye closed, like, ah, it's cool. (laughs) I remember watching Man of Steel that way. Uh, I hope he wins. <laughs> <laughs> Only breathing uh, <laughs> through the left nostril. <laughs> my method. Uh, my method. Stay down, that Munch. Just... Stay down. So, so uh, John, Captain, we get to the Hiawatha, uh, yes. which is one of the cool parts of the series because you met meet one of your favorite characters in Jet Reno. But even before you even get to Jet Reno, you have this wreckage. Um, of just like strewn parts and bodies and all that kind of stuff, the real moody stuff. Uh, did this end up being a surprise to you? You thought that was going to be a threat of the week? I mean, does that happen often in all classic Star Trek? This downshift needs to be safe? No, not at all. Uh, this is a fairly um, Star Trek dialed way up, um, pretty much. Uh, 
you have a ship. There's no way of saving it. You have a situation where they're walking into this big sort of haunted house. We don't know what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. We've already lost a guy. We already lost Connolly at this point, which, oh, God. If you're well, the guy create... was like, he wasn't even wearing a red shirt, and I was like, he's about to die. <laughs> Oh yeah, I was like, he's about to die. He, he was die. such a dick. He was such he was a such dick. a jerk. I was like, oh, oh I, so I actually love that actor for creating a character so thoroughly unappealing that so when he gets killed, you're Are like, you yeah, well. yeah. <laughs> so totally I mourn Dennis. Red shirt him now. <laughs> they rushed up the blue shirt. You guys didn't think that was going to be Commander Nam's going to kill? I don't know. <laughs> I thought I thought she was. But when we get uh, when we get to the Hiawatha, we uh, you know I I really can't remember when I started getting this feeling, but I started getting this feeling of um, I just love the line where they show up where the red <laughs> the, the red presence is. They still don't call it the 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 red angel yet. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love Pike going, where the hell's my red dot? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just such, oh, he has things to do. <laughs> so now, uh, yeah, now they have to see if there's anybody to rescue, if there's any rescuing they can do. And they actually find there, this was a medical ship. This was a mash unit. And uh, people who were wounded by the Klingons in the Klingon War uh, couldn't uh, be evacuated from the ship. So Jet Reno stayed. And again, we get that. So you stayed? And she's like, of course. They needed me. Of course I stayed. I'm Starfleet. Damn. Bam, bitch. That's it. You that's serve. I mean, what does Burnham say? She's like, I'm sorry, sir, but if there's any chance we can save one of our Starfleet brothers or sisters, we're not leaving. So, Josh, come on, man. Why save everybody? Starfleet is really for yourself, right? I would have left. No. Why? Why? Don't listen to John. Did we somehow get stuck with mirror universe? Flobo no, here? no. Oh, wait. I have a beard. Mirror image Flobo. You know, I've met beardless Flobo, and he is you. No, mirror universe. <laughs> is it the opposite? Like, he doesn't have the yeah, beard? Yeah, yeah. In the mirror universe, Flobo doesn't have to have a beard. Flobo's 500 pounds. He never lost the weight. He yeah, didn't exactly. give a, he didn't no beard. He didn't care. He's a monster of a man. He's right. a terrible, terrible man. No, really. She Very successful, though. She didn't have to stay behind. I mean, come on. Ten months is a long time. That's what. You, but that's Starfleet. That's what you're supposed to do. This but is that one was not the brochure. That was not the brochure. This is one of the things you love it's about. Never Jet in the Reno. brochure. One of the things you love about Jet Reno is Jet Reno does what Jet Reno does. She calls her own shots, and your great engineers, Scotty. Uh, Chief O'Brien, your great engineers are all like that. Look, man, I got my own way of doing things. And that's why I'm so excellent. Yeah. And Tignataro is very believable as that, too. Which I oh, own sure. way, huh? Did a break with you. No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. It's fine. Well, they will do everything they have to, bend every rule, violate every law of physics, as long as it doesn't rip apart existence, and as long as you don't get disciplined by Starfleet. That's it. That's not an engineer. It's a lot of ifs, man. It's a lot of ifs. Pe- people can say what they, they, they want. Starfleet, it's always a lot of ifs. People, I'm sorry, people, can, I'm sorry. 
People can say what they want about the J.J. Abrams movies. I think Simon Pegg's version of Scotty is probably one of the best versions yeah. Yeah. Of, of a Star Trek uh, engineer. I, I still remember that. Do you think my imagination or not? <laughs> Accepted. I mean, he's, he's crazy. This one's yeah. legit crazy, and I love that about him. So Jet Reno's kind of – I think she's more a spin-off him than a spin-off anyone else, honestly. Absolutely. Because Doohan never played Scotty like that. He was always, there was always, he, he was nuts, but he was never like Simon <laughs> he, Pegg, what? comedian, that shit nuts. I he always felt, but... yeah, I always felt that James Doohan's was, um, he was like a two-fisted, hard-drinking nerd. Oh, yeah. And all Howard, of, really, I have a lot of Absolutely. friends who are like that and, and they love him. He's like their, their alpha wolf. They love him. So alpha nerd? <laughs> the, nice. the alpha nerd. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, we, we get that with Tig Notaro. Tig Notaro creates the, um, the kids. Uh, she creates yeah. these droids that will kill you if you mess with them. Uh, she creates traps that can decapitate Klingons. Like she's tough. And, uh, I did, I did some of my extra reading, which I like to do. Oh, reading. And, what's that about? <laughs> and Tig Notaro actually had a really hard time with the techno babble speak. Oh yeah. I bet. Yeah. Uh, I mean, was you, a... John, you know, that's the reason why I haven't gone to acting is just memorizing big words. I, I can't do it. <laughs> I respect the hell out of that, man. It can be rough. It can be rough. Like CSI, you know, what happened? He got shot. Did he? Like, I wouldn't know what to say. One for a No, I couldn't do that. That'd be worse. I, I have some friends who are making one of these, you know, sort of fan film kind of deals uh, about uh, Star Trek. I, I don't know how far along they are right now, but they were like, we'd like you to play the ship's doctor. And I'm like, I will pass. Right. Unless you're paying me more than pizza and beer. Uh <laughs> I do not want to learn all that medical speak. Yeah. I have to say it with a camera three inches from my face. No. Sounds like a punishment. No, so uh, that's a bird to lead there. I mean, they got most people off that ship there, Josh. But there's mm -hmm. two little caveats to the story. Burnham had her hand on a little bit of that asteroid, that, that MacGuffin for the week. But in her uh, grand delirium and getting her legs sliced through, she had a vision, an angelic vision of the what the what we call the Red Angel. Angel, yep. yeah. If, if you will. <laughs> um, we now know what it is. But at the time, was it you think it would be a scientific reason or were you looking at something more fantastical like like a, a people? I figured this had to be something scientific. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I'm like angel sounds almost like a like a red herring, right? Like, oh yeah, it must be a spirit. Nah, uh, it's science. Ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. I'm like, there's well, never because it's star it's it's Star Trek, right? It's based on and Star Trek, one of its appeals for me is always it's kind of based on real science. So I'm like, what? the moment they start messing with metaphysical stuff i'm like okay someone better have been smoking weed now nah, someone better have been smoking space weed what what someone about the bajorans right on like andorian mushrooms or something <clears throat> how about, about this mushrooms? hail hail fire and snow friendly angel we will go far <laughs> far far there was an angel on the show now granted mm -hmm. he was a, a bad alien but right They've it was, done it oh, I figured it was some kind of alien. Right, right, yeah. I mean, but I thought I thought it might be one of those, you know, like uh, from Thor, you know, one of those deals where uh, science that's so far beyond us just seems like magic. Yeah. I, that's what I, I was thinking. 
I was want to say I thought it was something religious wise. I thought it'd be kind of cool dynamic of what science is. And going back with DS9, that was the whole Bajoran yeah. thing. You know, they were like religious <laughs> people, alien race, religious. Race? Um, race. You you had the prophets or the um, wormhole aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, there was the paw, the sense of the paw that uh, your paw is strong. Um, you had the paw wraiths who were demons. Yeah, yeah. You had a very metaphysical setup in DS9, which I loved, by the way. Well, not to bury the lead of everything else there, Joshua Postel, but we get our first look at Spock. But it's a kid. (laughs) Baby Spock, y'all. I know this has been a point of contention for Discovery Faithful, but introducing how Michael gets involved with, I don't know, Family Spock? I don't know what they call their last name is. But uh, what would you thought about that? It was pretty good. Nope. It was it was a little dis- it was a little just dis- it was a little disconcerting to see Spock just totally misbehaving and being roguish, dumb, and you're just like, oh, I want to see him get his Vulcan dick fried and something. <laughs> the kid's like five, I man. Get, like, zapped. I don't think he has a dick. Stop. <laughs> oh my goodness. What my, kid, I, a, you see, John, I am traumatizing. Flora. What kid yeah, is are. not a brat? Brat yeah, kids are always brats. They become teenagers and they're like, "Oh man, my dad, I want some money, bro." Like that's a fry your yeah, dick off. Like, like, him as like a little kid, it was just so weird. You're just like, no. As Something soon was, as... it was funny, but there were just moments when you're like, Ugh. I have it here written in my notes. Baby Spock's eyebrows. What? I mean, yes, queen. <laughs> Talking about shape. <laughs> I mean, those Someone... eyebrows. The art department needed to work on that. That was my first reaction. I was like, each of his eyebrows was was a Joshua Postel mustache. <laughs> That's how bizarre they were. So much weird stuff about this mustache. All from comics here, from comics on Zoom. <laughs> this is why we're doing. I got I got like one comedian who's like ready to jump me. <laughs> Jump you because of your mustache? Wow, tough crowd. Well, man. he was also tripping the entire time. That will do it. Yeah, that that sounds like a he comic. Was clearly tripping on a Zoom. Oh, make. Bro, like, your oh, mustache, man! I must slay it. I must slay it. <laughs> no, he's like, I must have it. I was like, <laughs> oh, that kind of jump. No wonder you had a thong at the handy. Um, so I was like, people like how it tickles. He, he's in Europe. I mean, hey, I'm Joshua. Wait a minute. Oh, Joshua. I I like very much how your walrusy mustache is all walrusy and shit. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it, mate. Yeah. Wow. Uh, (laughs) That was pretty good, man. I'm going to put that in your actor cards. British Cockneys. Did it uh, surprise you guys that that Spike and. Like, Spock and Michael were not friends off the rip. Like, would it would have been worse or better for the canon if they got along at the top? Not much. Probably work. You you right? you needed some conflict there, otherwise, yeah. okay, it's great, gonna work. Right. Yeah, yeah. Set up question. Secondary question. When you have the conflict, a lot of people were saying, "Hey, look, she's not even part of the family." They have Spock acting out of character. This was the jumping off point for me. But I just think there were a bunch of haters. Am I wrong there, John? No. I- no, no. I, I mean, there so. were moments when I was like, 
I didn't like it, but then I was like, okay, there has to be a dynamic right. of why things turn out the way they do. So you're curious about it. I guess my question is, did it have to be the Spock family? I, I think it does, but people were saying, well, if my, if Michael was raised by... Okay, great. I didn't know what you guys said tonight. People were saying, hey, look, she could have been raised by a Vulcan family, but it didn't have to be the, the Spocks. That was me. <laughs> That was yeah. yeah, I was I was there. And um and I feel like this season they earned it, you know. They were like, No, 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 we're putting it together. It's an interesting story. And I could look at it and go, Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I'm with you. But at this point, I was like, Oh, uh, like I don't know if you remember on Deep Space Nine when they introduced the Vulcans. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The, the Klingons. Klingons. The Klingons. There was a Klingon war, and then the Klingons became their, um, you know, their their comrades uh, against the Dominion, and uh, just Klingon, Klingon, Klingon. I loved it, but I remember a lot of fans at the time like, oh, their ratings were bad, so they had to shove Klingons in there. And I, I think that happened here with uh, Spock. It was they like we want to that. We want to make Michael Burnham very different from the other, you know, people from Earth. So we're going to make her a Vulcan. Uh, you know, she was raised by Vulcans, and uh, we need a little credibility. So it's the Spocks. Got and, it. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of there, like, meh. That's a shoehorn. Eh, I don't know, but I ended well, up liking it. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. But <laughs> no, like, like when you look back at DS Nine when they were doing that with the Klingons, they're trying to show you that they're the Federation and the Klingons are now allies, even though there's a ton of tension and right. they don't trust each other. Right. The differences they really are don't pronounced. trust each other. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the two, two different, uh, you know, the Klingon empire is very different from the Federation of planets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciated that. And I wonder what, you know, as a little aside, I wonder what happened to the Klingons in the 32nd century. We don't know. We do not know. And only the art department can tell us. I, I here's what I here's what I like that I want the Klingons to be. I want them to be a little bit like season one, where they had an empire, it was massive, and it fell. And there's that sense of pride trying to build it up. I think, and I want I don't choose my words carefully here because they can be really really clumsy when you try to compare them to humans. There are so many cultures here where we have that we descended from this royalty or this empire or this what it was and even though the klingons look a certain way that story is always great when you find the modern generation trying to go back to where what kings and queens or mm. they were so i that's what i kind of liked about the first one the first one were different houses of this royal family saying hey look we had influence what can we do to have influence yeah. that's what was cool that's why i, I see like when they play I don't play for last but when aspects of Klingon cultures used in TNG like oh this week I'm ascending or this week I'm having Klingon ale it's like wait, <laughs> hold on <laughs> you know what I mean this is cultural appropriation but it's, it's made up <laughs> I don't understand I'm all confused um <laughs> Uh, well, so, so, yeah, sorry. yeah, I mean, uh, it, it was um, it was a great way to sort of pull a lot of fans in who, um, you know, look, a lot of a lot of Star Trek fans uh, identify in different directions. One of the reasons why I thought season one was so important for Michael Burnham was because she was so emo. Yeah, she, she was like the dark loner, like nobody <laughs> understands me. Really? And a lot of fans feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh with klingons it's like well i love star trek but i also love ray guns and sword fights and you know 
the fantasy elements of, of of space opera. I love that too. So the Klingons are that they've got their batlets and they battle for honor and you know. So you bring in fans. You make fans more engaged when you give them stuff that you know they like in other genres. Yeah, we'll say you, Josh. Yeah, I happen to agree with John on this one. Seriously, it's they, they need to give you a little bit of everything to keep everybody interested. Otherwise, it's... Yeah, and I don't mind other people's stuff most of the time, just as long as you get around to me, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Star Trek is weird in that it usually does that. Yeah. Most, most sci-fi franchises don't. Yeah. Yeah, it, This is how true. it is. This is how it, this is how it tastes. You will like it if you don't get the fuck out of the room. <laughs> I try a lot of these other sci-fi shows, and because of that reason, I'm like, well, we're we're locked in. We're locked in. I don't I don't feel like this is going anywhere. So I'm gonna stop watching. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of variety. Hey, idic man, infinite mm-hmm. diversity, diversity, infinite, infinite, infinite combination. combination. Yep. Yeah. Well, for the record, I like the science of the stuff. This is why I'm I'm pro DMA in season four. And mm-hmm. then I also like the expansive space, like the different planets that just have to be on different side of things. So even if you don't have a geopolitical conflict on a planet, the fact you visit them and they have different races on that planet, must like the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, but we realize in this episode that Spock is not missing, but because you know he's not gone, but he's not there either. There, Josh. Now we have ourselves a search for Spock, kind of, sorta. Now. Again, I'm not an old school fan. I thought it was a cool mystery. Did that seem like a retread at the time? Hey, like, hey, man, we gotta look for Spock now. This is bull crap. Because <laughs> Spock went off and did some mushrooms and was off the, on a bender. That, that was like you the whole vibe of it that you got. Like, he, like he did something un, very unVulcan, unSpock like, yeah. yeah. and it was like you know. The Federation's after him. Section Thirty One's after him. His sister's chasing him. Like, this is going to be one massive... In- this is either going to be a bloodbath or one massive intervention. Kind of got both. Yeah, kind of. And what yeah. I love is she goes into his files, so she's listening to one of the log entries that he puts up. And um, and Ethan Peck plays... Yeah, yeah uh, he is. Spock. Yep. Mm-hmm. And... Am I the only person who, when I heard that voice, I went, oh, my God, that's a really good imitation of Leonard Nimoy. It, yeah, I thought that, too. I was like, whoa. <laughs> there can't be two guys on Earth doing that. No. I mean, oh, he put are. the work in, man. He put the work in on that voice. He sounded oh, like younger Nimoy and older it, Nimoy. That was eerie. That was eerie. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that turns some people off too. Like, oh, he's still in sure. my ah, boo. <laughs> I'm sure that turned people off. You can't win. Either you want to be an nostalgia really actor on thing. Like, yeah. like John, yeah. like you said, the baseline with fandom, it's so fucking low. <laughs> so let's, let's be worse, honest. It's here. worse than comedians with, with their audience. <sighs> it's so bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that. I feel like comedians are more likely to be supportive. Uh, wrestling fans are a little less so, but Star Trek fans have a very, very, very niche look of what their Star Trek is, which I think is true. I do this show not to be like Discovery is the best, but like when I have guests on or other people, I go, "What is true Star Trek?" And they tell me the elements. I'm like, "Well, this show has it. What are we talking about yeah, here?" Oh, for you sure. I mean? Like, what's the big deal? For uh, sure, fans suck. That's what I'm saying. 
I mean, come back next week. (laughs) The specifics change from from Trek to Trek. The specifics, but that's it. The themes are still there. the The unity is still there. The vastness, the the many many, the infinite possibilities. That was always there, and it's still there. So it's all Trek. Yeah. Uh, Just kind of a before I get to my final question. Do you have anything else in your notes there, John? Uh, let me see. Um, I love that Pike finds the leftover fortune cookie uh, message <laughs> under Lorca's desk. What yeah. nobody cleans? <laughs> yeah, there's apparently apparently the, the Starfleet cleaning service is is out this month. What the what? Roomba is broken? The what Roomba's the hell, broken. Man? Who replicates a fortune cookie? You know what I need right now? A snack with the most empty calories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, Lorca was evil, and you knew just on that level because that's the cookie he prefers—the worst cookie, <laughs> cookie known to yep. human beings. Oh man, hot take—the worst one on earth. Wow. Fortune. Well, I'm actually kind of stealing from Gary Goldman's act there, but still, yeah, still. yeah, it is. It is the worst. The be- it's it, it's it, you know in the cookie world, if, if if the fortune cookie is the worst piece of crap, the New York black and white's the best, and everything else can just go. Oh, <laughs> that was actually my 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 business. Well, I was in an entrepreneurship class and I said, Hey, in New York City, a lot of my friends who are Jewish go get Chinese food on, on Christmas Day, right? So, like, yo, how come we don't have black and white cookies and desserts? You know, I would love to have myself a matzo ball super side of egg foo young. Let's do it. Oh, just saying. Put it out that there. sounds good. <laughs> Print money, baby. When I get back to the city, ooh, that's <laughs> the first thing I'm doing. So, the fortune that uh, unless, I find... unless I swing by LA first. Hey, we got factors down. Come on, come on through. The, the message that Lorca find or that uh, Pike finds uh, that Lorca had uh, found in a cookie, I guess, is not every cage is a prison. Not every loss is eternal. I find hmm. that very interesting. The Captain Pike from the episode "The Cage" is is reading oh! this. That's, that's yep. unusual. This is why he's a genius, Captain. Woo! And and uh, and has he already been through it by then? Has he already? Oh shoot, he hasn't, right? No, it happened before the event of TOS. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. So, um, so yeah, this happens before he goes to the planet and meets all the you know the big-headed guys and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, what else did I have? Uh, Linus, we've got Linus. Yes. Yes, he's great. <laughs> He's great. I love him. Even, even, a, even in season four, I love him. He's yeah. funny. He's this big bug-eyed dude. Is just like, <laughs> he's like the comic relief. He really is. And Connolly, who we already hate because he's, A, he was supposed to be Spock. The science officer coming over, everybody expected it was going to be Spock. It's Connolly. Connolly turns out to be a dick. And then at one point, Linus, who has the Saurian flu, Sarin yeah. flu uh turns and sneezes on him, blows some lizard snot on him. And and I can tell you from doing my research, that was digital. They didn't oh, actually thank- hit him with any gack. Thank thank God. I mean, <laughs> that made me feel uneasy. Uh, 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 other, otherwise, the doctors would be on their <laughs> Yeah. Seriously. I mean, <laughs> I, how can Connolly get med- medically cleared now with like Sarin? <laughs> Sorry, it's snot with, all with, over. With lizard gack all over him. Relax, he's <laughs> Apparently, that scene was so funny, 
And I don't know how many, yeah, you guys have been on a few sets in your day. Uh, and you'll find yourself shooting some scene at two in the morning, three in the morning. You're yeah. so tired. You're so exhausted. Apparently, uh, <laughs> Sonequa Martin-Green couldn't stop laughing. They had to actually point the camera so you couldn't see her. Oh. Because the whole thing made her laugh, like, till she was crying. And one of the main reasons why is because the actor playing Linus, when he sneezed, he blew out his lizard teeth. Ew. Oh, <laughs> it flew out of his mouth. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's not just the cat. It's the teeth. It's the teeth. <laughs> That's going to roll. <laughs> Alex Kurtzman, one of the uh, great show-running minds behind Discovery. Uh, was, of course, the director of this episode. And he said, you know, honest to God, I wish we'd had a wider shot and we'd been rolling on that because I want to watch that over and over right again. Over. <laughs> oh, come on. He, Linus is such a goofball. He's, like, trying to find the mess hall in the 32nd century. What the thing? Like, this is the mess hall. What the f***? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's Homer Simpson. <laughs> He's like the Homer Simpson of the show. I, I do. Yeah, he is. I mean, and you need, and, and you know, like when things get serious, you do need, you do need some laughter and some lizard gag. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's not my new term. Thanks, John. Gag. You're gonna put that in so many bits. Like, what is he talking about? So anyway, there's lizard gag in my napkin. <laughs> hey, I stole it from Nickelodeon. That's what they call the green slime. They did. That's... I had I had floam as a kid. Hate my dad hated it. He's like, you kids and your floam. Right. Uh, my my uh, trivia for those who don't know, uh, the guy who plays Spock, Ethan Peck, is the uh, grandson of the actor Gregory Peck from a uh, particular Mockingbird legendary. Hideous actor. looking man. Oh, I can't, can't stand it. <laughs> how can say, you? And how can you look that man in the face? Nepotism in Hollywood. Bullshit. No, <laughs> hey, I'm a firm believer. Nepotism gets you in the door, but you, something has to be else to keep you in the door. Whether you know a good cocaine guy, whether you're not you're really good, talented yourself, you just can't show up. <laughs> That's a pretty good read of Hollywood. <laughs> it's pretty damn good. Uh, so, my final question for you, fellas, start with you, Josh. In the grand pantheon of Discovery, where does episode rank for you? Season two, season premiere. Uh, in, in the grand. In the grand pantheon, Enterprise, uh, you got Pike, you got a mystery off the bit, but then again, you got some filler it, in it's there. Definitely, it's definitely like a seven, a seven and a half, and eight. It's good. Oh, it's a, it's yeah. a good way to get a season rolling, especially yeah. after the first season, which was just was weird great. sideways turns. You know, like it's perfect. The space booger drop. That was one of the things that I had to get over to really get into the series. I, I again, it's, that's why I it's like a having space booger drive that runs on mushrooms. Yeah. I was all about that. I'm telling you, man. What? Because I, I feel like I'm the opposite. What main I season? Still like, I still like that joke about that to, to other Star Trek fans. Space yeah, Bookers. yeah. Space Bookers, man. Uh, space <laughs> Whale. It's just that season was perfect for me in so many ways. Uh, I won't ramble. John, what about you? What does this stack up to you? Stack up for you in the grand pantheon of episodes? Um, I think this one is an absolute must for uh, the simple reason that they knew they were coming back. They knew they had a hit at this point. And they were going to go forward. And um, and so now it's time. Are you going to go big or are you going to try to play it safe? And this episode is, here's what I say. You tell me what you think. This episode is a feature film. Yeah, it is. Mm. It's that good. It's yep. that good. 
this episode contained or like the end of episode? Um, It's, it's, um, well, you know, it's a feature film in the sense of the scope. You know, they actually start with that footage from the Cassini space probe, which is real, which really happened. And uh, you've got Burnham saying space, the final frontier. Love that. And then you've got the very dreamy, uh, (laughs) you've got the very dreamy flashback to uh, uh, Burnham going to the house of Sarek. And um, and I also want to throw this in. Um, I, I don't know if this works for you guys, but being a, a comic book fan, I tend to love the mothers of my favorite superheroes. Or, okay, yeah. Or the mother figures. So Aunt May for Spider-Man, um, Ma Kent for Superman, Martha. Like Marissa Tomei, yeah. Martha Wayne for Batman, like they loom large for me. They are these, these very, these goddess, these mother goddess characters. And now Amanda is that for me because Mm. she is such a good mom. All of a sudden, you know, like she takes in this orphan girl and she is now her mom. And I just love that. Uh, This character of Amanda did it more for me than the characters ever done it before. I, I love her more than Sarek. And I've seen so much of Sarek, you know? Ooh, that's, yeah. that's, wow, dude. I love Some people her. are going to fucking hate, for some, for some people, them shit's fighting words. Uh, and, and what's funny is the actress, Mia Kirschman, has done some stuff in her day, but not a whole lot of stuff. So um, even though I felt like she was way too young, um, I, I did really love her. You know what Mia Kirschman was a star of? Do you ever remember uh, Dracula the series from 1990? Like one of those syndicated shows? Yeah. Vaguely. 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 Yeah. It was terrible, but she was like the lead female. Really? Wow. Mia Kirschman. Hand, 1991. Oh, 1990. Yeah. Wow. She, is a, she is a good actress. I mean, just based on what she, the work she did in the uh, last episode of the first season, which we saw last week, and and this one, she's a really good actress. I really enjoy her. She so, looks like she hasn't aged a bit. Maybe she is Dracula. <laughs> seriously. She's, just, she's like 47 going on 25. This is I don't think she's not, had any work done either. Okay, I mean, yeah. Take, taking a look at that woman. I just There's just something magical and special about this relationship between her and very young Michael Burnham. And I love that too, just the sweetness and the tenderness of that. Uh, and then you, you expand it out into all these action sequences, all these mysteries, all of these tense moments. Uh, Burnham's running while the uh, Hiawatha is falling onto her. Oh, that was great. Which is that a... Seems like... yeah. Isn't that a scene from Star Trek Beyond, the J.J. Abrams? Yes. Like one of those yeah. big things is falling on them as they're that. running? Yeah, I, I, I feel like Kurt's vengeance was... is slammed into San Francisco and it's coming, yeah. coming down and everybody's running from it. Right, right, right. It's it's um I felt like this was Kurtzman's way of saying, look, I only have 60 minutes here, but I can make an <laughs> awesome Star Trek movie too. Ding. Eat and your heart out for Thank you. <laughs> I, I love this, this episode, episode really had enough elements that if you had the money and the budget and throw another 30 minutes on it. You could have a great standalone movie out of that completely. Absolutely. This is why I love you guys, man. Even though you guys always disagree with me and I hate you all, you guys are also good people. <laughs> Marathon <laughs> Bill likes you. <laughs> but we're all, we're, 
What's up? Hey, man, it's it's not easy to be the ringmaster when you get these monkeys. <laughs> we trying, man. Uh, hey, uh, Captain, fly good. Uh, Josh, <laughs> thanks so much for being on the show, man. We've talked to you about it at the beginning of the episode, but if I want to follow you, engage with you, buy your merchandise, see your out economy albums, how go about doing that, good sir? Uh, you can hit me up on BigJSH2709 on Instagram. Like um, you can find me on Facebook at Joshua Postel. And on Twitter, yes, I caved. I have Twitter. Yay! You really don't want me to start in earnest because I will get in so much trouble. Hey, what's the Twitter <laughs> at, handle? Let's at, do it. Un, at Joshua underscore Postel on Twitter. Joshua uh, and Captain? Uh, at Starbase80 on Twitter. You can also find me, uh, Starbase80 on uh, Facebook and uh, also Weber Internet Thingy for uh, uh, Star Starbase80, including uh, other shows that I will be doing. As soon as I can get this stage show open, we, we open tomorrow night. Uh, thank God. Woo! Good luck, man. Well. Break a leg, buddy. Thanks, man. We got th a three-week run, but I'm looking forward to getting back to doing more streaming because I love it. So thanks for having me on the show, Flobo, as always. Uh, it's kind of awkward because I wasn't following Josh. And he was following me the entire time. So I got to make this really quick. Uh, what up, Carson? How's it going? <laughs> thanks for so much. Uh, hey, you promised thanks, you were going to wear a thong. You didn't do it. So let's talk about <laughs> who let who down. Uh, <laughs> when I get, when I get out there, I'm seriously thinking of moving west, boys. Uh, just, hey, say the I word. started looking around at places. Say the hey. word. Hey. Yeah, Don knows Come on out. Yeah, man. It's He's awful, but we're, but we're here. No, we'll say it's great until you get here. Maybe say, hey, man, that's LA <laughs> no, for you. I'll, I'll fix everything. You know, all problems just turn me loose. I'll, I'll drive Garcetti nuts. Wait, are you <laughs> not even mayor? Case, that, you know? That's your campaign? I'll drive Garcetti nuts? That's... <laughs> Sorry, you've got my vote. Uh, that's it for Commander's Log. We'll be back. John, I'll be back on Sunday for Starbase 80. But in the meantime, you can follow me at Football Boys. Like, oh, Joshua did weeks ago, apparently. And I didn't realize it. That's awkward. Oh, that's for me, man. See you next week. But until then, live long and prosper. Yeah, buddy! <laughs> <laughs>